0: Reading this morning is from the book of Ezra, chapter 7. After these things, during the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, son of Sariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Shillim, the son of Zadok, the son of Ahituv, the son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Mariath, the son of Zerahiah, the son of Uzi, the son of Buki, the son of Abishur, the son of Phinehas, the son of Aliazar, the son of Aaron, the chief priest. This Ezra came up from Babylon. He was a teacher, well versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given The king had granted him everything he asked, for from the hand of the Lord his God was on him. Some of the Israelites, including priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers and temple servants, also came to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in the fifth month of the seventh year of the king. He had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month, and he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month, for the gracious hand of his God was on him. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord, and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. This is a copy of the letter King Artaxerxes had given to Ezra the priest and teacher, a man learned in matters concerning the commands and decrees of the Lord for Israel. Artaxerxes, king of kings, to Ezra the priest, a teacher of the law of the God of heaven, greetings. Now I decree that any of the Israelites in my kingdom including priests and Levites, who wish to go to Jerusalem with you, may go. You are sent by the king and his seven advisers to inquire about Judah and Jerusalem with regard to the law of your God, which is in your hand. Moreover, you are to take with you the silver and gold that the king and his advisers have freely given to the God of Israel, whose dwelling is in Jerusalem, Together with all the silver and gold you may obtain from the province of Babylon, as well as the free will offerings of the people and priests for the temple of their God in Jerusalem. With this money, be sure to buy bulls, rams, and male lambs, together with their grain offerings and drink offerings, and sacrifice them on the altar of the temple of your God in Jerusalem. You and your brother Jews may then do whatever seems best with the rest of the silver and gold, in accordance with the will of your God. Deliver to the God of Jerusalem all the articles entrusted to you for worship in the temple of your God, and anything else needed for the temple of your God that you may have occasion to supply, you may provide these from the royal treasury." Now I, King Artaxerxes, order all the treasurers of trans-Euphrates to provide with diligence whatever Ezra the priest, a teacher of the law of the God of heaven, may ask you. Twenty-two, up to a hundred talents of silver, a hundred cores of wheat, a hundred baths of wine, a hundred baths of olive oil, and salt without limit. Whatever the God of heaven has prescribed, Let it be done with diligence for the temple of the God of heaven. Why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and of his sons? You are also to know that you have no authority to impose taxes, tribute or duty on any of the priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, temple servants or other workers at this house of God. And you, Ezra... In accordance with the wisdom of your God, which you possess, appoint magistrates and judges to administer justice to all the people of trans-Euphrates, all who know the laws of your God, and you are to teach any who do not know them. Whoever does not obey the law of your God and the law of the King must surely be punished by death, banishment, confiscation, of property or imprisonment. Praise be to the Lord, the God of our fathers, who has put it into the King's heart to bring honour to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem in this way, and who has extended his good favour to me before the King and his advisers and all the King's powerful officials. Because the hand of the Lord my God was on me, I took courage and gathered leading men from Israel to go out with me. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Let's pray. Heavenly Father we just uh, sung earlier that you're the God who is seated on the throne and that there is no one like you. Uh, Father, we thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word. Uh, and we pray this morning that you would help us to see the significance of that. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, we're up to Ezra chapter 7 this morning. Uh, if you haven't been with us, don't worry too much. I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to pick up where we are. Uh, and, and chapter 7 marks a big shift in the book. Uh, there's, this, there's this big gap in time between chapter 6 and and chapter 7, somewhere around 60 years. And we know very little of of what happened during those years in Jerusalem, uh, the home of God's people. Now, now one amazing thing about today's passage is that in chapter 7, we're we're finally introduced to the man who wrote the book. It's interesting that in a, a book with only 10 chapters, Ezra isn't seen until now. Uh, And that's not to say Ezra is unimportant. He is is very important in terms of what God does through him. Uh, In recent weeks, we learned that the people of God had returned from exile in Babylon, uh, and they began rebuilding the temple of God, which had been destroyed by the Babylonians. And last week, we heard that the temple was finally rebuilt after a few hiccups along the way. Now, now Ezra has been in Babylon this whole time. Uh, he wasn't part of the first group of exiles to return. Instead, it seems he's been growing in his stature and, and his standing before the king. Uh, Artaxerxes is now the king of Persia and we'll see that there's, there's a lot that's been happening in the background uh, which is finally brought to light. Uh, the passage that we're looking up breaks up in, into three parts. Uh, there's Ezra's lineage, uh, first of all, then there's Ezra's letter, and lastly, and, and most importantly, Ezra's Lord. Ezra's lineage, Ezra's letter, and Ezra's Lord. And once we've worked our way through the passage, we'll, we'll think briefly about the, the character of Ezra. Uh, so, firstly, Ezra's lineage. There's a story of a, a bank in Chicago that was considering a young man from Boston for a position. Now, his his previous employer couldn't say enough about him. His father was from a prominent family. His mother was from a prominent family. Uh, Further back, he had some links to some of Boston's most influential families. And his recommendation was given without hesitation. Now, some time later, the the bank wrote back, and, and this is what they said. We're not considering this young man for breeding purposes, just for work, Uh, Please supply some more adequate information. Now, you'd be uh, forgiven for being equally puzzled at the way that Ezra is is finally introduced to us. Sixteen generations of of Ezra's genealogy. Uh, Unlike the young banker, this family tree, which you can also see in in the book of 1 Chronicles, shows that Ezra is is very much qualified for what he is about to do. He is a descendant of, of high priests, Uh, You'll remember the priests were were the mediators between God and and the people, and and Ezra can trace his lineage all the way back to uh, this man Aaron, the the first ever high priest. And this lengthy introduction shows us that he's going to be an an important figure in God's plan. So this is the Ezra who we finally meet in in chapter 7. Verse 6 tells us he was a teacher well-versed in the law of Moses. Which you would expect from a priest. So, so Ezra arrives in Jerusalem, and that brings us to the, the second part of the passage, Ezra's letter. Now, I'm a, a huge advocate for, for the humble uh, travel pouch. Uh, when I've travelled overseas, I've often used one of those neck pouches, uh, much to the embarrassment of anyone anyone I'm travelling with. Uh, but they offer a great way to kind of keep your passport or anything else important, maybe some money, close to you uh, and safe. And I like to think that Ezra might have been an advocate uh, for the travel pouch as well, given given the importance of of the letter that he was carrying with him on his four-month journey uh, back to Jerusalem. This is a letter that gives him and the Israelites freedom. It gives them favour. The letter is penned by King Artaxerxes and, and addressed to Ezra. It goes from verse 12 to verse 26. And in these verses, the language actually changes from Hebrew to Aramaic, pointing to the fact that this letter was written by the king himself. And it becomes very clear that the king is right behind Ezra. The letter is a little bit like a get-out-of-jail card. Remember, these are people who were taken from their homes. They were forced to resettle in Babylon, essentially as prisoners. But this letter is Ezra's ticket back uh, to freedom, and the ticket for any Israelite to finally return to their home in Jerusalem. There was the initial return we saw in chapter 1, but but not all the exiles had returned to Jerusalem at that point. Uh, Some had decided to stay on in Babylon, but now more of God's people finally return. Now there are three main instructions in the letter. Two of them for Ezra and one for the treasurers uh, of the Trans Euphrates uh, region. The first uh, instruction is a a decree to Ezra. He is to go to Jerusalem and inquire about Judah and Jerusalem uh, in regards to the law of God. Are the people following the law? Do they know God's law? Uh, The law of God, of course, would have referred to the the first five books that we find in our Bible, which uh, we know as either the Torah or the the Pentateuch. And King Artaxerxes sends Ezra to make sure the people are are living in line with these first five books, with the law. So that's that's the first instruction of the letter. Uh, The second is to the treasurers of of trans-Euphrates, and they are to provide Ezra with with whatever he needs. Uh, He's almost giving them a a blank cheque. There is a little bit of a limit in in verse 22 uh, around the amount of of gold and and silver and and the other resources, but uh, people have estimated that this was probably about one-third of of the national budget. It's incredible generosity that Ezra and and God's people are shown here. Now, if you're a treasurer, the the chances are you're opposed to the people of God, uh, and we saw that in, in previous weeks. So the news that they can't even tax the people of God probably adds salt to the wound. Uh, And that's that's the second instruction. The third and final instruction uh, is back to Ezra and to appoint judges and and magistrates for the people in verses 25 and 26. Now, now what the difference between uh, a a judge and a magistrate is, your guess is as good as mine, Uh, it could be that as some people have suggested, that one deals with the laws of the Jewish people while the other deals with the laws of the king, the laws of the land. So that's possibly the distinction and it's a distinction that the king makes in verse 26. So failure to comply to these laws, the laws of the king, the laws of the land, could result in death. So that's the three parts to the letter that Ezra is given. So we've seen Ezra's lineage We've seen Ezra's letter uh, tucked away in his neck pouch, possibly, and in the final part of the chapter we see Ezra's Lord. Uh, remarkably, verses 27 and 28 are the first words in the book where Ezra actually speaks, and they are words that acknowledge this great thing that God has done. God has again worked in the heart of a king, uh, and God has granted Ezra favour favor in the royal palace. From verse 23, we know the king's motive is self-preservation. He said, why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and of his sons? He's keen to avoid the wrath of God, so he does what he needs to keep God on his side. There's a commentator named Matthew Henry who writes, If any good appears to be in our own hearts or in the hearts of others, we must own that it was God that put it there. If there's any good to be in our hearts or the hearts of others, we must own that it was God that put it there and bless him for it. Ezra acknowledges the the favour he has found with the king and his men is it's God's doing. That's that's what we should do too when we see God working things for our good. Uh, and I think that also means that we can ask God to, to look on us kindly as we labour for his purposes. Uh, one example, we're, we're in need of a venue soon. Uh, We're in a secular school at the moment. We're looking for a venue in Christchurch, a city that is largely secular despite its name. But we can ask God to to look on us kindly as we do that, as as we look for this venue. Uh, There may well be setbacks, but if we believe our God is sovereign over all things, then we will ask for his help uh, in our endeavours. Now, Ezra knew that that God had looked on him favourably, and because of that, he took courage. Uh, courage is something that Christian uh, Christians need more and more these days. Ezra would have needed courage to, to leave what was familiar to him and to head back to Jerusalem. He was going to proclaim the, the law of God to some people who had shifted a long way away from these laws. A four-month journey to people he didn't know all that well. And what gives Ezra courage in this passage is knowing The hand of God is on him. It's there in verse 28, uh, and it's also there back in verse 9. And we're going to see it next week as well. And because it comes up next week, I'm not going to say too much on that. But those here last week will remember it was the the eye of the Lord watching over his people. Here, God seems to be even more involved as his, his hand is on Ezra. So we've worked our way through the passage, and I want us to focus on one main thing this morning, and that is the character of Ezra. You'll have noticed as we went through, there were numerous mentions about his knowledge of the law of God, how well he knows it. It's a lot of praise that he's given. It's almost as if he wrote the book himself. But we see even from the king's letter that he was a man who knew the law of God. There can be no doubt about that. Verse 6, he was a teacher well-versed in the law of Moses. Verse 11, a man learned in matters concerning the commands and decrees of the Lord for Israel. Verse 12, to Ezra the priest, a teacher of the law of the God of heaven. Verse 14, verse 21, verse 25. Uh, But there's one verse which I think sums up why, why Ezra is such an important character at this time in Israel's history. And that is verse 10. Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. See, while the temple had been rebuilt, Ezra was there in Babylon, deepening his understanding of the law of God, growing in his obedience to it and his ability to teach it to others. Studying it, obeying it, Teaching it. Now now remember where we are in Israel's history. Uh, The exile has all but decimated the people of God, but God has moved and and it started a time of renewal. Uh, Chapters 1 to 6 of Ezra were focused on this external renewal. The the temple of God was being renewed, rebuilt. But in chapters 7 to 10, the the focus shifts. Uh, There's this focus on an internal renewal. And when lasting renewal takes place, it often begins with the law of God. God's gracious instructions that he gave his people through Moses, the brother of Aaron. The same Aaron mentioned in verse 5. Ezra devotes himself to the law and two things happened as a result. He learns the will of God in verse 18 and he gains godly wisdom in verse 25. Now, Now for us today, we don't just have... The law of God, we have the entire Word of God, the good news of the gospel message of Jesus. It's a Word that revives our weary souls, the Word that takes us from ignorance and foolishness and makes us wise, the Word that brings us joy even in the most difficult seasons of life, the Word that opens our eyes and allows us to live godly lives as we trust in the work of our Saviour, Jesus. We can make all sorts of changes in our lives. We can can change our appearance. We can try and change how we spend our time or who we spend it with. We can try and change our attitudes towards others. Uh, We can try and change our behaviour. But the thing we really need to bring lasting change in our hearts is the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in the word that we see Jesus and and that he becomes more beautiful to us than anything else this world can offer us. than the sin we we so easily fall into than the hopes of this life that often seem to fail us. Imagine for a moment that that someone was was sent to us in the the Garden City, Christchurch, a little bit like Ezra was sent, to inquire about the word of God in the lives of, of Christians here. They visit our churches. They spend time in our homes. What would they find? Would they find people who know the word of God and really delight in its riches, who are dedicated to studying it and obeying it and teaching it? People who recognize their sinfulness and realize that turning to Christ is always the best solution. Or perhaps would they find some complacency? Uh, people who've become comfortable with sin because the word of God isn't something that we're engaging with regularly. Uh, we hardly know it. Would they find? Uh, what would they find among our church? Uh, I think Ezra, uh, or a person like Ezra, might, might be slightly shocked at the amount of people in, in our city uh, who don't know the word and who aren't regularly in the word. And I say that knowing... Uh, I go through phases where it's a real struggle to spend time in the Word. It it takes discipline, uh, where other things in life seem to pile up, and the Word is the thing that can end up being sacrificed. Uh, By contrast to that, I do see some great examples uh, in the lives of others and and some of the lives of people here. Often that that helps spur us on when when we see people uh, in the Word. Now, it's been a a disruptive year for many of us, and, and some of us have probably fallen off the horse a little bit when it comes to devoting ourselves to the word of God. Uh, What are are some of the ways we can get back on the horse? Uh, Perhaps join a Bible study or or read the Bible with someone else, uh, with your spouse if you're married, or with someone older or wiser than you, with a friend, with someone younger who you can teach, with someone at a similar stage of life so you can work through things together. Perhaps we can ask ourselves, how big is the gap between the things that we know to be true in the Word and how we're living our own lives? See, knowing the Word and obeying the Word should go hand in hand. There are some great conferences and courses that help us to get into the Word of God more. There are those Bible in a Year programs. And you'll surely realise the change that God brings when His Word is in your mind And in your heart. When we devote ourselves to knowing the Word and to to doing the Word, uh, we also see the importance of teaching the Word to others. Uh, Now, there are people in our churches who who don't know the the God of the Bible. Not everyone uh, in a church will will teach in an official capacity, but we can certainly teach each other a lot as we devote ourselves uh, to studying the Word. Throughout history, there have been times where the people of God have been drastically impacted by the word of God. Uh, Think of the Reformation in the the 16th century or or the Great Awakening around the 18th century. And when these changes occur, the word of God is proclaimed and the spirit of God works. Know the word, obey the word and teach the word. Uh, As we close, uh, the name Ezra Ezra is a shortened version of Azariah, which means the Lord has helped. The Lord has helped. God was helping his people back then as Ezra arrived. The law was a big part of that. God continues to help us today. Through the Bible, we meet Jesus, the one who saves us. And when we trust him, we can echo those words. The Lord has helped. Let me pray we would be those who do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for your word to us. Uh, And we thank you uh, for the reminder this morning uh, that that we are to be those who are uh, devoted to it, uh, who listen to it, who who obey it, and who teach it to others. And Father, we do pray that you would help us uh, as we go about that. We know there are times in our lives where where we struggle to to spend time in the word, uh, to see the riches in there. So we, we do pray that you would help us to Uh, Find ways uh, to get ourselves back into it, if if that's us at this time. Father, thank you for brothers and sisters who encouraged us uh, to keep persevering in in the faith and and to spend time in the word. And we pray that you would continue to use our brothers and sisters uh, here at St. Stephen's uh, to do that work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.